Dude, honestly, I feel so important right now. Good. I'm literally pumped and I'm like nervous and excited at the same time. And I'm really just super psyched about being able to move this thing. Like you've seen all the podcasts, like being able to adjust this. Yeah. This is so tight. We're semi-legit here. No, I'd say full legit. Yeah. I feel super excited and uh, I you... feel so important being here. Like, thank you for having me, but I mean it. Like, it's cliche to say that. Yeah. But like, I really feel very important being here. So thank you. Well, one, you are very important. <laughs> Two, you're so that'll be my one swear word of the day. Yeah, ass. there you go. Um, and thanks for coming, man. Yeah, you know, I appreciate and it's, it. it's about it's about a good conversation that I think that people will take value from, and you have a lot of value in the construction, the new construction sector. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the the thing that I want people to take away from, or what the um the the podcast is going to be titled about is, you know, what to keep in mind when when approaching new construction, whether yeah. it's custom, semi custom, spec homes. Um, what to keep in mind when you're interviewing, because not many people actually interview builders. Mm-hmm. Obviously spec homes developments are a little bit different of a process yep. than maybe custom semi-custom but i think that the hat you wear relates to something that anyone can take away from approaching a conversation of new construction because yeah. again and i this is a question i'm going to have i'm going to come up or bring up is not every builder is created equal no for better or worse it's no different than real estate agents no, it's, it's no different than mechanics 100 percent. all builders are not created equal a lot of people think new construction new construction <clears throat> it's it's like the same playing yeah. field there's it's no not. one size fits all no. there's so many different angles there's different uh, ways that builders go about things. I mean, financially, structurally, I mean, you could just keep going on and on about it. But yeah, there's definitely different builders and different ways to go about it. Yeah. Great place to start is who are you? Yeah. And who do you work for? Where are you from? Just kind of like a little uh, little introduction. The whole bio, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm Ray. I work with Allen Edmund Holmes. They're a semi-custom builder, which we can get into. They are the, as of right now, the largest builder in Michigan unit-wise. So we do, and it's on average, right? But around 700 units per year. And so we're everywhere. Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo. We just started branching in Indiana, um, which is cool. But we're everywhere. I mean, Genesee County, Livingston County, Washtenaw, Jackson County on this side of the state. Mm-hmm. So anywhere you can see Michigan, like in the lower half uh, of Michigan, we are building homes. Michigan's largest builder. As of right now, yeah. Per, uh, by units. Yep. What is that unit? It's around 700. 700 yeah. a year. Is yep. what you did in maybe 2022? Um, the exact number. projection? No, just average. Because okay. last year was definitely a down year. I mean, I... I think most people can say some of it was a down year. What did you do in 2020? Traffic. 2020 as the builder or personally? Uh, builder. Builder. It was Yeah, that one was definitely going to be around 700. Okay. I'd have to pull up the exact numbers. I don't have them memorized. Not quoting you to it yet. Yeah. <laughs> but that one was definitely closer. We were below 700 last year for sure. Okay. Um, what was the impact on that? I mean, interest rates, yeah. uh, demand. Yeah. I mean, I think interest rates were something that impacted real estate in general. Yeah. I mean, it was, everyone was so used to a low interest rate. And then what was it? Mayish, Juneish, somewhere around there, the rates just started going up, and they didn't stop. They just kept going. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Do you feel like your Q1 is showing good projections of the year to come for units for Edward Allen? Yes, 100%. This year? To be on track, yeah. To oh, be yeah. on track for the 700? Oh, my gosh, yes. The conversation that I'm having nowadays with like lenders or anybody is uh, I think humans have just 
good short-term memory. Yeah. Or maybe bad short-term memory. Right, I see um, what you're saying. But the past 90 days is what they think about. So like yes. when seven became, oh my gosh, the world is ending. Now all of a sudden, six and a half, seven percent or high sixes, six and a half, it's more normal. People are right. like, we can come outside now. Yeah, it We're was good. like an adjustment period. <laughs> you had to like almost get used to this new new normal that everyone talks about. These rates that are not three percent. Yeah. And there's I think there's some light on the end of the the horizon for, for what rates are with um you know, there, there's a bunch of different factors, but I think that the way that rates are kind of still projecting, I know they're, we're going up, we're going down, but we're kind of averaging a 6.5 for the most part. Yeah. But from what we're hearing from the professionals, the quote unquote professionals that we trust and we listen to, there's light on the horizon. Yeah. Um, I think May is going to be a huge month for what the the the, the end of uh, 2023 looks like for yep. rates. Yep. Nothing but a good thing. But I think that now that we've kind of stabilized and created a new normal for interest rates, we're kind of getting back to uh, being busy. Yeah. Or buyers willing to make offers on homes without the concern that rates are going to go to 7.5 tomorrow. Right. So um, you touched on it a second ago. I kind of classify uh, new construction into three categories: uh, arrogantly or ignorantly, um, spec homes, or you know, mass production builders, semi-customs, and customs. Yeah. Would you put them into two different categories: semi-custom, custom? How would you break up new construction? No, you're, you're spot on. I okay. would go production, strictly production, production, semi-custom, and then custom. Okay. I mean, there's probably no perfect answer there, but that's what I would categorize the three as because there's the different buckets and they all kind of wear the different hats. Gotcha. And, and Edward Allen, and again, uh, I would probably categorize maybe not the wrong builders, but a lot of builders into production, but, uh, Edward Allen, what makes Edward Allen semi-custom? It's so, options. Semi, yeah, it is options because as a builder, semi-custom, we have around 40 floor plans, which will go up and down, uh, depending on the floor plans that we take out or put in, but around 40 floor plans, right? Okay. And the semi-custom comes in with the options because the floor plans are the floor plans. And we can get into subcategories of the floor plans that we offer, but ultimately those floor plans we have, you're not just going in there and say, hey, Ray, move this wall, put this bathroom over here, change this roof type, whatever the scenario is structurally, normally we have what we have. And then the semi-custom again is the options where we have a design studio, 4,600 square feet, large professional facility that mm -hmm. you can go with a design studio specialist Go through the entire facility and pick everything out and customize your home. That's that semi-custom. Yeah, and you're and you're building homes specifically to what buyers are looking for and how builders or buyers are choosing things. Yeah. So from a, um, um, what was the first one? The first category. Production. Production. Yeah. So from a production standpoint, and just for the education, from a production standpoint, there's probably. Uh, two or three options that a production team has and they kind of interchange them all. Yeah. But there's not a lot of choice in the yeah. matter. Yeah, that would be the thing that you're giving up with a production builder. You lose that power of choice because, you know, their their game is like a conveyor belt or a conveyor belt, right? They're just going out, they're doing their one or two or three things and they're doing it a bunch of times over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, why is that? Is it cost or is it just production? I mean, is the name of the game for them just kicking out units and they're not worried about, um, you know, buyers being happy with aesthetics? Or is that something that the buyers have to deal with on the tail end from a price point standpoint? Yeah, I guess I don't want to speak too much from a strictly production point of view only because I deal with Alan Edwin custom. being semi-custom and mm -hmm. I, so I know this world really well. Uh, outside of it, it gets a little loose. I don't want to, you know, overspeak on that, but yeah. maybe a little bit of both, honestly. So, uh, and who would you say is the primary demographic for 
Edward Allen Construction, or at least who you're dealing with. Is it first-time home buyers? Is it upsizers? Is there a mix of both of those those two? Yeah, it's for sure a mix, but I would say we deal a lot with first-time home buyers. Okay, so first-time home buyer. Yeah. Um, when they're thinking, because we we just did a deal, yep. and uh, my people evolved to new construction based yeah. on a great opportunity. Right. Um, but it was not even on their radar. Yeah. And then we got to that point. So from a first-time homebuyer standpoint, what do you think are some things that someone can take away when now let's look into it? Yeah. Um, when having a conversation with a builder, a representative, what are some things that you should keep in mind? Well, I think the biggest thing, and this is something that I struggle with because getting the word out that we're going to uncan a word, uh, Unopen a can of worms, whatever the saying is here. Yeah. Because I can go on about this stuff. So with new construction. Normally we have to cut, like cut the cameras. My did I got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there is so much that, you know, I can talk about new construction wise. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, like step one is just understanding that you can do it. People don't think they can do it. They don't think they can afford it. That's they don't think it's an option. Yeah. Yeah. No. New construction? I can't do that. That's my barrier is thinking that or other people think they can't even do this. Mm -hmm. And so like I have to be able to get that message out there, which this is, I mean, a great way to do that. But people, number one, need to realize they can do it because they can. Mm -hmm. So I think the and, and um, how I interpret that is people put something to their mind without actually getting the information. Yeah. So and I'm using just our experience. They said, let's just look at it. Yeah. That's a great first step. Let's just look at it. Yep. Maybe let's see if it's even a fit for us. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Now let's get the numbers. Now let's figure out what it's actually going to cost us. Because people, again, put these things into their mind based on everything that they've been seeing, so on and so forth. Yeah. Just walk through that process. I think the easiest way to kind of uh, uh, diminish those fears or get your questions answered is asking the right questions. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with our people is, no, nope, can't do it. Well, let's check it out. Whoa, yeah. I can do it. Yeah. I can do it and it's a brand new house. Right. What the heck? Yeah. Do it's, you know what they closed on too with their interest rate? Oh man, it was in the fives, wasn't it? Five and it? a quarter. Yeah. Five and a quarter. I'm, that was I'm, a good one. I'm closing on a house right now, 6.825. I said, yeah. you are not selling this house. Yeah. Nor would you want to right now. Yeah. No, you see the number five, you're like, okay, I like that. Yeah. That looks good. Yeah. I mean, I hope we're in the fives here, uh, um, maybe 2024, but who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, but that was impossible with anything else besides really Edward Allen yep. and a participating uh, uh, lender in that matter. Yeah. So you can do it. You can do Ask it. Ask the right questions. I think one good part to talk about, realizing that you can do it, taking it, this is just gonna be layer by layer here, but the financial barrier part. Because I think when you go into these different buckets of builders, every single builder has a different financial barrier. Custom builders notoriously will have a higher financial barrier, construction draw, construction loan, whatever that scenario is. Mm -hmm. With us, our financial barrier is very low. That's why we work with a lot of first-time home buyers because you can do the RD, the FHA, the VA, I mean, obviously conventional, any loan type, that you have or that you're approved for, we'll take. Yeah. So you're not having to have this huge, like huge down payment or a huge financial barrier that would restrict you from getting a new home. Mm -hmm. We remove that, Yeah. which means you can do it. Yeah. And let's break that down a little bit too, because I think finances are the hardest part for a lot of people Yeah. in any process. So there's two ways that you can do a construction loan or buy new construction. Sure. And layman's, layman's, layman's turn. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep um, it. Builder carries debt. Yep. or buyers carry debt. It's a great way so to put it. So the custom route 
uh, for an, more normally for a new construction, if you're not working with a builder that can carry that debt, buy all those supplies, yep. um, deal with all of the associated costs, and at the end of it, then we close on that dollar amount. Correct. A builder like Edward Allen and other large builders can carry that debt. Literally. So we work through that process, and you don't have a mortgage payment until, or any payment for that matter. You did a, a short on this the other day. Mm-hmm. Is wait, I don't have a mortgage payment That's until right. I buy the house. <laughs> yeah. Break that down a little bit, and like, and, and elaborate where I kind of miss some voids on one again. Financially, it's obtainable, but also financially, it's not like just getting a construction loan and carrying that debt and writing the check for half million dollars yeah. throughout the process in certain draws. It's we don't have a mortgage payment until we sign that dotted line and we own that house. Yeah. I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible because, again, you can just unpack so much with this this conversation. But simply put, Alan Edwin has two different processes. Buying a showcase spec, a quick occupancy home, right? That's one process that we have. And then you have a building from the ground up, which we call pre-sold. So you pick everything out. You're making your selections. That power of choice comes into play. Those are two different processes. But to make it super simple, either way, no matter what, it's an end loan product. We carry the debt, we pay for everything until you close, and then your payments start. Mm-hmm. So there's no monthly payment, there's no interest only payments. You get the loan when you close. Yeah. Very simple. End only. Yep. Yeah, that's a, and I think that's a great way to put it. End only versus a draw. Yep, draw. More or less. Yep. Um, and uh and that's massive. That's huge. powerful. It's but huge. again, it goes back to a lot of people, which don't get me wrong. Again, when you're dealing with a custom option and custom home builders, you're mostly going to have to deal with that draw. It's going to be a different price point. Yep. But for first time home buyers, it is daunting. It is a little intimidating. But, you know, these homes that Edward Allen is also producing is, I, I believe, a great, phenomenal product for a first time home buyer. Yeah. The home that uh, my buyers just bought. Yeah. It's not their forever house. Yep. Uh, that community is notorious for, uh, people staying there forever though. Yeah. And they'll sell in the front and buy in the back for a bigger home. Oh yeah. So, but it's a great home to one, get into the door. Good stepping stone. Good stepping stone. Maybe have a kid or two in there. Yeah. And then once you evolve <laughs> to the space and you know, like, you know, I don't know if you and your, your, uh, three kids can move into that house. Yeah. But if you and your wife started there with one kid, you could definitely do oh, yeah. that. You can make and then happen. evolve to the next step. And I think that's constantly a conversation that I'm trying to have with buyers in all different price points and all different uh, points in their life is, uh, well, one, the average mortgage is like six, seven years. Uh, two, I understand that we want to maybe buy a house for the 20 year plan. Yeah. It's hard to plan for 20 years for anything. Literally. How old's your first kid? Uh, Six, almost seven. So, you know, maybe seven years ago you were like, this is the plan, this is what we're doing. I'm sure it's changed a few times. 100%. And I think (laughs) that's the fun part with buyers. And it's nothing to knock on buyers. They're all like, this is the home I'm going to live in forever. And nine times out of 10, it's not. No. I mean, it's very rare you see people in their home for a long time. Mm -hmm. Over 10 years would be rare. Buy for needs right now. You know, yeah. I think is is a big important factor to that. Not you know just new construction, but in general, yeah. You know, buy for needs right now, and that's exactly what Edwin Allen or you specifically, but you know maybe builders in general are trying to provide a few of those stepping stones, yeah. Um, for a new construction and and that neighborhood specifically. Again, um, did you guys develop that whole sub? No, it was started by two other builders. Um, we're the third, I think, in there, but okay. we've done the majority of the homes in there. E- either way, you know, again, like the front. 
was started for first-time homebuyers. Yep. And the back is that step up. And I think that's, again, a great plan for the future from a builder standpoint yeah. until those buyers actually realize or those sellers actually realize like, oh, shoot. You know, again, this was great for my five to seven years. Um, and we're moving into a uh, two bed, two bath condo. Very similar to what you're doing. Not yeah. you have a little bit more space. Um, but uh, for us, it's the eight year plan. Yeah. And once we have two kids or when that when that is, um, when they turn six, right. what you're doing right now, yeah. you're, you're, you're moving to a new um, spot that fits your needs for the time being. Correct. Is it going to be your 20 year plan? Heck no. No. <laughs> There's no way. No. It's a stepping stone to where we need to be. But again, like I think that uh, a lot of people are, are really worried about the 25 year plan and not making decisions for the next three year plan. Yeah. It's impossible to plan for 25 years. I mean, if, if we could all do that, life would be pretty easy, right? You would just say, oh, I'll do this for the next 25 years. Life is unexpected. Yeah. There's just no way. It's just impossible. To make the decisions as the issues come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. React. All uh, that fun stuff. Be, be a problem solver and you're going to be a problem solver for the rest of your life. I actually, uh, we uh, we went to the Red Wings game last night. Oh, okay. And um, uh, we were driving. I had to drive uh, to, they were college students, but someone's kids back uh, yeah. to um, uh, Concordia or uh, Ypsilanti. And I said, you know what, man? Like, we talked a lot, but. I think that too many people look at decisions as right and wrong. Yeah. Now it's decision to decision to decision to decision. Layers. Maybe one's less than ideal than than more ideal, but it's decision to decision to yeah. decision. And I uh, gave another example of you're going to have these problems, and it's not about the problem. It's not about what you're dealing with, but it's about problem solving, conflict resolution, and getting on the the other side of those things. That's the dang point. Yeah. Um, name of the game. You've been doing that stuff for the past six years. It's a good attribute to have if you can be actively able to problem solve in the in the moment and stuff like that. I think that's a good uh, good attribute to Real, have. And I'm sure you would say for you as well like you know actually i'll speak for you um i think that um if there's anything in real estate whether it's new construction or pre-existing construction yeah there's probably other handful but i think of two things good communication yes and phenomenal problem solving yeah if you can do those two things yeah you will be phenomenal and maybe time gosh. management so time management communication and then problem solving ability yeah you're good. Yeah. And then the amount of times that we see agents that, or lenders, or anything, plumbers, electricians, people in general that have poor communication, bad time management skills, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, problem solving skills. Problem solving. <laughs> they're probably not. Um, you know, they're they're at a they're at a standard. Um, you have those three things. You perfect those three things. Don't worry about the rest. You'll think, figure those things out. I think with problem solving, this one kind of goes hand in hand, but the resiliency that comes along with being able to just continuously problem solve. Exactly. That too, just because, I mean, it is problem after problem. And it, if you can be resilient and be good at problem solving, then it's just like you moving forward and moving forward. But if you get held up on all those points that you have to do problem solving and you're not resilient, man, it's tough. Exactly. And it's not about the problem. It's about the what you're learning through that problem or the resiliency, the determination, the focus. And with that being said, like there are some great positives to working with Edward Allen. One, how long you been a builder? Edward Allen. Edward Ed, yeah. or Allen Edwin. Uh, uh, how a long before have, E. Yeah. How, uh, how long have uh, they been a builder? Oh, since 1994. Okay. So we talk about this constantly. Experience matters. Yeah. Um, 700 times I mean, don't, you know, that's not the actual, actual number, but yeah. experience matters. It does. So, and every property will have their own set of issues. 
Yes. But it's not the first time you've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. It's not the last time you'll deal with it. Right. So experience with builders matters to avoid one, be proactive, avoid problems. Yep. But then two, when problems occur, we're going to find the uh, the smoothest route through those things. Yeah. Um, versus maybe somebody that doesn't have the experience or isn't experienced in that certain problem, it might be a little bit more of a, uh, a roadblock. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a, a vague non-specific example because i don't want to be that specific let's do it um we were working with a i would probably call them a semi-custom yeah. se- a semi-custom custom home builder yep they're in livingston county yeah um we had an issue with uh the um a front porch cap mm. and one we asked them to do something mm-hmm. and the easiest thing that that could have happened and I, what i wish would have happened was the builder say nope we're not doing. We're not doing anything. Right. When you, we're done, this is where we're at. We're doing all this finish. You know, blue tape, green tape work on the inside, the cosmetics. Yeah. But that's not a part of our process. You can deal with it on the end. And uh, what happened was they they cut in, um, they cut in, um, um, uh, cracks. Mm. Like uh, what do you call those? Control cracks. Control cracks. Yeah. They. So the and and I don't know. I I know nothing about nothing for yeah. the most part. I know a little bit about a lot. That's about it. Yeah. But this front cap. Um. And I don't normally see front caps with control cracks. Always. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there's an algorithm to it or, or right. a process. But there wasn't. We asked for it, and the cracks were crazy. Mm-hmm. And hindsight, I wish we had never had a conversation about it. Yeah. But working through that problem was very challenging. Right. And I said. Again, guys, you know, we asked you to do control cracks yeah. with the expectation that it was going to look cosmetically great. Yep. And now it doesn't. So now we need a solution. And the solution was put epoxy on top of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no offense, man, but we're spending half a million dollars and this looks like shit. Yeah. So what's the next solution? Well, you know, we can grind it out and do a top coat. I go, okay, I guess do it. Yeah, and the and the buyers. I'm not saying this. The buyers are saying, you know what? I guess we're going on this path. We have to do it. Um, they did that. Look like crap. Spent a half million dollars. Yeah, and eventually we've got to the point where fine, we're gonna rip the whole thing out. And we'll lay a new cap. Okay, now we've all learned a lesson. Yeah. When there's no control cracks, don't put control cracks yeah. in there. Maybe start in the first place, but um, I think it still would would have been avoidable. My the the point being is. When problems occur, having that experience yeah. gets you from point A to point Z through that problem as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and you have problems on every single deal. Yeah, I think with new construction, it's tough because, again, when you've got a new construction home, somebody is spending half a million dollars, whatever they're spending, 200, 300, it's a lot of money to them. Yeah. And they're like, they're thinking new construction is going to be perfect. So you have very high expectations before the home's even started. Mm-hmm. So when you get a situation like that, I mean, they want it to be perfect. And so as a builder, it's very hard to meet or exceed those expectations. Yeah. So I think that builders have it tough in the sense of people want their home to be perfect. Homes generally are not perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect house. And, and let's stop it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's one thing that I'm constantly trying to tell people. Guys, we will never walk into a perfect home. Yeah. Whether it's a 1920s or a 2023. We're going to be as close to... Well, we're going to be pretty damn great. Yeah. But could we find 100% square walls? No. Are we going to have drywall cracks and, and tape seams? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, are those things... Uh, solvable within the first year and and you want to uh, and we're gonna bleed into this you know the home needs to exist yeah go through two heating and cooling cycles expand and contract contract. settle settle and then that's why warranties are a thing though yep Um, but you are not going to buy a quote-unquote 
perfect house. So it's about setting expectations. Yeah. The home needs to be great. Yeah. The home and you you execute. Builders normally execute. You executed. Yeah. Um, but setting an expectation that is going to be a perfect home is unrealistic. I would, would say you that agree is, with that? I, yes, yeah. I definitely agree with it. And I would say that setting expectations is like one of the number one things I focus on. It is the probably one of the pillars of good communication, especially when you have new construction. There is so much room for error with new construction. You have too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. You have a long process. You have so much room for error. So if you don't set the right expectations, there are so many spots where things can come up and you can have an unhappy buyer. Yeah, you did a great job about that as well. And, and not necessarily, you set expectations without setting expectations. You communicated well without the expectation of communicating well. Hey, I'm gonna start a group chat. We're gonna start an email chain. I'm gonna kind of lay out the roadmap. Yep. That goes back to experience though. You yep. know that setting out that roadmap, setting those expectations, those timelines is a great uh, expectation yep. to give to those buyers. Yeah. Um, and that's not something that you've you know learned overnight. No, you've, yeah. you've evolved to that space or the, the builder has evolved to that space to their process of how telling reps yep. um, or sales consultants um, of how to set those expectations. So, and, and we probably just touched on it, but let's drive that point home. How are you or how should other people be setting expectations, whether they're real estate agents with buyers yeah. coming to you or how the builder sets expectations to buyers and agents about you know certain things when it comes to more or less, we can again talk about for hours about this, but yeah. cosmetics, imperfections, um, what can people take away from this? Uh, in the sense of like quality or, or I guess what? Quality, um, yeah, quality, um, I, I think, yeah, quality would be the main focus for me. So when we set expectations on quality, it comes down to, and I'm using air quotes here because it's model home quality. So the model home you walk into, like we have one in Howells on Oak Grove Meadows. Mm -hmm. So when you walked in that model home, that quality you see there is the quality you should expect for your house. Boom. And so when you do what we call it a new home walkthrough, a new home orientation is our verbiage, but a final walkthrough, right, when you go to close, that's the quality that you're checking on. If it's not there, then we are going to fix whatever. I mean, that's your punch list. You yeah. put whatever's on the list that's not to model home quality standards. So we have our checks and balances there to make sure you get what we promised you. That's awesome. And I find that there's not not you guys at all, and we'll use zero names, but we've walked through new construction pretty consistently. The model does not look like the finished product at times in more or less the production side of things. Yeah. Uh, production builders, that is. And I love that, that that's our, guys, that's our standard. We're gonna walk through here. We're gonna pick out our finishings. This is gonna be the expectation. We close there, we do a final walkthrough and that's that's creating that expectation. You you answer the question actually perfectly. Well, that's where it stems yeah. from. So model home quality, our verbiage stems from everyone saying the model home always looks better than what my home's gonna look like. Mm. That's where it comes from. So that's why that's yeah, perfect there. So, and I, I think that you've, well, the builder has executed on that. Yeah. But not everyone is executed on that. And we can, we're speculating. Um, is it a quality control thing? Is it a communication thing? You know, why, why is there maybe now a distrust in 2023 with production builders for lack of quality, but price point is still crazy. Yeah. You know, there's 475 houses and you walk in and it looks like the 295s. Yeah. Or, or it should be less than the 295s right. in terms of execution of quality. So, you know, why is the builder executing on such high quality? Is it experience? Is it communication? 
is it you know quality of of of, of subcontractors you know who we have working on those houses you know what is it if you had to put your finger on it so it's good it can't be one thing it just can't be there's too impossible too many, yeah a thousand things, right yeah. there's just too much to it so i think experience having a been there done that to be able to set the right expectations mm -hmm. that's one part of it because if you set bad expectations saying here's what your home's going to look like and it looks like you know below what you mentioned then you already got a problem before mm -hmm. it even started so there's that part of it there's the quality of the subcontractors but below that you have the relationship with the subcontractors so if the subcontractors don't respect you as a builder they're not gonna give you the best quality work that they can do. Like no. you wanna have that relationship. It's Again, it's not linear. There's so much to all this stuff. There's layers to all of it. So you wanna make sure that you have good quality uh, reps that are you know skilled in their trade, but also respect you so that they're doing good work for you and you trust them in your houses. Yeah. So there's different things. I mean, those are two things that are team, definitely big. Team effort. Yeah. Absolute team effort. And the times where I probably see the difference in quality is just uh, top down. Uh, again, setting expectations with buyers, but somebody setting expectations with subs. Yeah. And um, there's been a few times where we were working with somebody uh, with uh, Semi Custom. Yeah. And that builder is crazy, not crazier, but like, you know, ha having more serious, I mean, it's his name on it at the end of the day. Yeah, it is. Um, having more of a serious standard for quality control way before the buyer even says something. Yeah top-down mentality of, yes. of what we produce from from quality and making sure everything is the exact same like i'll give you an example um these these doors and this trim wasn't matching up in one of the houses you know a few oh. uh, uh entry doors yeah and then a threshold walkthrough like a uh you know a, a 72 inch walkthrough passageway all the trims didn't add up evenly to eight feet and he said well we got to get rid of all this stuff yeah. we got to change these eight foot doors change that to an eight foot door because i i can't do this and if i can't look at this again if i'm putting my name on these things yeah if these builders are putting these names on these things i think that quality has got to be the uh, the pinnacle of that yeah um and that bleeds into hospitality customer service yeah all of those things being proactive on something like that really sets the tone like it builds an automatic layer an instant layer of trust like if the buyer brings it up, it's like, oh, I had to tell them. And maybe they think that they wouldn't have found out. But if he brings it up like automatically, like, hey, I know we have this and we're dealing with it this way. Like, boom, That's trust, point. trust set, expectation set. It's like, okay, he's got me. He's got my back. That's a great point. Yeah. I didn't even thought about that. Yeah. And and even just like educating those buyers about how, how he's thinking yeah. versus just like f fix it. We're not going to tell them, hey, this is what we saw. This is what we're doing, and this is why we're doing it. It's yeah. like, wow, okay, like he is going above and beyond. Yeah. So when it comes to quality, um, are there a few checks and balances throughout the process with, um, yeah, you know, you guys specifically? Yeah, there's everything seems like a checks and balances thing. So you have Alan Edwin's standards, right? I think we have eight, the production manager and the team that they have, they have their own, you know, stuff, but I think they have eight quality checks wow. throughout construction. You got like your frame punch, you got your trim out. I mean, there's just different uh, spots throughout construction. They're doing their own quality checks. Then you have the checks and balances with the township, the municipality. They mm -hmm. got to come and approve different parts of our process, electrical, plumbing, all that stuff has to be approved by the municipality. And then on top of that, you have your energy efficiency checkpoints. So there's different checkpoints. We just had a, a training on this and I can't remember the amount of checkpoints they have, but it's multiple checkpoints throughout construction to make sure we're not just saying your home is efficient, we're proving, proving your home it. is it. It's like, here's your binder, here's how your home tested, here's your home energy rating score. Yeah. Like, it's dummy proof, like this is what it is. There's yeah. no, uh, 
it's efficient. We yeah, it's a there's a sticker on the window that says yeah. we think it's uh yeah. you know going to save you twenty dollars a year. Right. Um, we prove it, or they, that that needs to be a proven thing. Is that something that only you are doing, or is that now a requirement within uh, construction? No, blower door tor- blower door test. I believe are, and I say believe because I want to leave a little room for error yeah. there. Uh, I believe they are required for okay. most builders now. The the thing that we do is we go, so there's like a threshold, and I can't say it's the word code because I think that might be wrong, but there's a threshold of efficiency you have to be at to build a new home. Mm-hmm. Like you have to reach a certain amount of efficiency when it's new construction now. Yeah. We are above that threshold. Wow. So we're not just meeting the bare minimum because you could just say, you know, yes, we do that, but if everybody does it, then it's not unique. Yeah. But we're going above the threshold, which makes it unique and makes it more energy efficient. And we don't just say it. We prove it. And the cool thing about this, and maybe it's not even a thought to the builder, but for me, it's like, um, what's the extra associated cost for being above that? Probably minuscule in the big picture of life or a big picture of building, but be able to say that and then prove it. That, that builds that trust again. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, you know, uh, a lot of the, the, the issue is just with trust. Trust with agents, trust with lenders, yes. trusting the person that you're doing business with. Yeah. So if you're able quickly, able to communicate, build that trust, set expectations, I think that's massive yeah. and create the relationship. And that's probably something that my perspective that you're doing very well at, or, and and maybe you exist in many places with Alan Edwin, um, but you creating that relationship fast with those agents and those buyers, that's that trust. Yeah. Like that's executing on that. Yeah. And I don't think that we've had the same experience with other builders. And that's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's just a, an opinion of how you do business. Yeah. Um, people don't do that. Yeah. The other times that I've seen new construction, we never see anybody on site. So seeing somebody going above and beyond, building that trust, setting the expectation, I think that just is a, a, you know, a point for how you do business and um, um, how you want to treat the individuals on the other side of the transaction. Yeah. Buyers specifically. I mean, obviously agents too, but agents buyers too, specifically. Now, Alan Edwin, I, I love working with, for the Alan Edwin for a lot of reasons, but they really make my job easy from all the different facets because one, they've been there, they've done that. So I can set good expectations. So I know when I say something, it's literally going to happen mm-hmm. because if I set an expectation with the hope that it happens, I don't have the confidence to be able to say that. And then it doesn't translate. It doesn't seem authentic. And you just, you know, you go down that path and people don't believe you. So there's all that part. Yeah. But whenever I say something, I know it's going to happen. So there's the been there, done that mentality. But then there's the realtor part. That is a huge sector of Alan Edwin. That's one reason I love working for them because you guys are the ones with all the buyers. And it makes sense. But other builders don't have that, that synergy with realtors that I think that they should. And if I had to work against you guys, like against the grain with realtors, man, my my job would be so freaking hard, dude. And that's that's a little bit of the, and I don't have a, an immense experience on new construction. We've done a few custom, semi-customs, like for uh, smaller volume builders. Yeah. And what's, what I would probably call semi-custom, uh, but they're doing 20 to 40 a year. So yeah. still smaller builder. Um, but it's um, exactly what you just said. I feel like at times it's we're working against each other. Yeah. And at the, I, I've I, this is we don't necessarily always say it, but this is my mindset when it comes to every single deal. I protect buyers. Uh, let's say you're a listing agent, you yeah. protect sellers. Yep. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we are all here for the Same deal. Goal. Same goal. Same goal. Sellers to be happy, buyers to be happy. Buyers to be protected, sellers to be protected. Me and you to get to the closing table, period. Yeah. As seamless and easy and as best as possible. Yeah. So it has to be a collaborative team effort. And yes. I think that me and Pat are always thinking about how we can create those win-wins. Yep. And that's apparent with you. It felt like 
we were all on the same team <clears throat> with all communication. Yeah. With all problems. And it was never a, I'm worried about the resolution because I was never worried about you not being an advocate for the buyer, for the builder, yeah. obviously, yeah. but also making sure that the buyers are taken care of because they are customers at the end of the day for the builder and it can be a great representation or a bad representation. Right. And I think that you and the builder both realize that we want these customers to think of our name yep. for years and years and years. Yeah. And that's the difference of being in a builder for, you know, from 1995 to 1998. Uh, and you and they could have been out of business in 2008. Yeah, easily. But now that we're on the other side of that, um, a builder for years and years. And you could have told me 1975. I would have believed you. Yeah. You could have said 1945. <laughs> yeah. I would have believed you. Oh. And again, I think that's the name of the game of somebody that's going to be doing this for a long time or a short time. Yeah. Customer service, quality, so on and so forth. Yeah. It all goes hand in hand. Let's go back to energy efficiency because I think that's such an overlooked thing with real estate. Yeah. Uh, a 1971 house is not going to be the same efficiency no. as a 2023. Yeah. I'll give you an example of my experience. Two different products, but it's relative for the most part. We weren't even living in our house when we sold it. And uh, our energy bill, energy alone was 80 bucks, not even living in the house. How big was it? 1500 square feet. And um, we weren't even living there. Yeah. I want to drive the point home. <laughs> and we moved into this uh, two bed, two bath condo. So it's going to be, and it was new. And uh, it was more energy efficient. Energy bill, $8. Oh, and that's just energy. I swore. Gas, you're fine. I swore already. <laughs> Gas, I think, was relatively very, very similar. Yeah. Obviously, space has a contributing factor, but what's yeah. the number one loss of heat in a house? I'm assuming you might say attic insulation. Whew. I wish I could answer this honestly. Do you know? No, I, I don't know what the number one is. I, I, it's probably a contributing factors. I know that when we do... Um, What's the name of the company? I'm going to lose it right now. Energy Diagnostics. Okay. They do a lot of teaching for us. And man, they are so free. They make it so easy to understand, but it's hard to regurgitate some of the yeah. stuff. But uh, they talk about things like just like the outlets, stuff like that. Like that. Not the, sealing those. Yeah, not sealing those. Um, definitely the attic insulation is obviously one of them. Can lights fixtures so many nooks and crannies yeah like if you go through i have pictures of it because i like to show buyers but if you go through one of our homes before it's drywalled you can see every nook and cranny is filled mm -hmm. like there's no just like little gap without having a filling of some sort on it and so it's really cool to see just how how detailed they get to make sure that like the nooks and crannies are, are filled because you get a little bit of air loss in a bunch of different areas and you got like a big problem and let's just even call it a you know three three uh, three spots you're only as strong as your weakest point period yeah so and especially angle. for anything up heat rises yep. if if we have some can lights in our uh, living space and we have seven or eight of them and they're not sealed properly or insulated properly just leaking our, our, our heat's gone yeah um but again i think that's such an overlooked point of the process in any point of it and i'm constantly trying to remind buyers that those are fixed costs yep and then we got to talk about maybe certain things like unfixed costs you know what we're paying for uh uh internet uh trash uh electricity, yep. gas, things like that. Um, but go back. let's go back to the builder. And you just posted another short about this the other day. Yeah. Um, what was what was the short about? It was about saving 128 bucks a month? Yep. Well, I think, so I can get nerdy about this. So Dude. With, with, with homes, this is something I say to a lot of people. Our home, this is going to sound corny. Our homes are built so airtight 
that they have to have some air brought in. Basically, the homes are built so airtight that we have to bring air in. So we have certain points where we're bringing air in to make sure that you have air circulation because too much, too much air, air, air being stagnant is not a healthy thing. So you have to make sure that you're bringing in fresh air and whatnot. And people don't realize, I don't know if anyone can hear me right now, but people don't realize that that uh, um, new construction nowadays is so airtight. You're gonna starve your, uh, you'll starve your uh, appliances, your mechanicals. Yeah, you don't want that. And, and uh, <laughs> it's it's been going on since the 90s, uh, cold air intake uh, for furnaces or hot water heaters, because uh, most likely you guys are installing high efficiency furnaces. Yep, okay. So you're gonna have an, uh, an intake and an exhaust line. But if you're doing a gas hot water heater, yep. you put it into your utility closet, that thing's gonna die. Um, and that's so crazy to think about that nowadays we're trying to seal it up and someone used it like a um, uh, an analogy like a garbage bag. We're trying to build your house and then and then on the inside put it into a garbage bag and seal that thing up so there's zero air loss. Then at that point in time, you know, we've done our job for an efficiency standpoint, but then we have to think about getting air back into yeah, the you, house. It's, there's a point of too much being too airtight you can't be you don't want it to be too airtight yeah you need it to be breathing yeah find that find that and 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 i love that you use that word because a lot of people i use that word constantly about like an attic space yeah um and specifically about like things like mold yeah unfortunately mold's in this room right now mold is outside mold is in the attic space very Attics, touchy word too very touchy word very scary word but it's about that education educating those individuals and buyers about like you know what mold is there's a hundred different species of mold two can kill you the amount of times that we see two is very few and far between but it's about the amount of allergens that are in any particular room obviously higher we need to mitigate those things and it's not necessarily always about the mold it's about the um but the cause for the mold. Yeah. So why we have moisture. Yeah. But realizing that your house is breathing. Yeah. Living. Yes. And you're gonna have those spaces specifically in the uh, in the attic space. Do you, you guys don't seal off your attics? Is um, it blown in insulation on top of? Yeah, it's blown insulation. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're breathing. Uh, the only reason I ask is we had a custom home builder recently like seal that house like shut. Spray foam. Spray or? foam. Everything. Really. Yeah. And but it always goes back to. We still need to get into the house. Yeah, you got to find that perfect, perfect. Because people just think if they're not educated about it, no, no, no. You know, I want nothing coming yeah. through. <laughs> well, it gets brought up a ton because when you go into our basements, you'll see a fresh air intake. You'll see something in the basement that connects directly to the outside, and mm -hmm. you'll see basically light coming in. And they're like, "Oh, you got to seal that up." And then it's just an education point to talk through it. Hey, these homes are built so airtight that you have to bring some air in, and this is one of the points. Like, you want this to be here. Yeah, no, it would you, be no, bad you, for your house without it. You need it. Yes. Yeah, you absolutely. Yeah, you don't want it. it. You need it. Yeah, um, and then think of it that way too. Like, let's say we, um, let's say it's not about uh, starving our appliances, but ninety percent. Don't quote me. It's like 70% of your air comes from your basement yeah. and or your crawl space. So that's why quality is absolutely necessary in those spaces uh, when it comes to like mold, allergies, and things like that. But um, but again, too, if you seal your house completely shut off, it's an 80% efficiency furnace. It's not bringing in fresh air from the outside. Think about that stale air that's just circulating through that home. You We're need dirty that people. in and out. We're, We're dirty, dirty people. people. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but like we bring in dirt. We breathe. I mean, we we just are dirty people because we produce it. We're just going in and out of houses, it's just dirt in the air. Yeah, yeah. You need to breathe. Is um and and is there any point on that? I don't think there is because again, you know, there's certain things that we're doing for that. Obviously, high efficiency furnaces, air filtration, clean air in, clean air out, or dirty air out through the exhaust. Yeah. Um, you know, the efficiency standpoint. Is there anything else that you think that we should touch on, um, for an efficiency standpoint from a 
nerd out statistical yes. standpoint when maybe a buyer is looking at so we've we walked we've worked through a few things um first time home buyers it's yeah. obtainable yep ask the right questions ask the right questions to the right person work through that process get the education and the facts about new construction and realizing that it isn't obtainable yep. um working through maybe um what those semi-custom options are um and then some things to look look at quality um, having an expectation for quality yep. and then the efficiency standpoint. But if we got buyers out here right now looking at very, very similar price points from new construction to pre-existing construction, from an efficiency standpoint, is there anything that you can leave them with? Yeah, this is, uh, you, what a professional segue that was. That was so perfect. So I definitely want to make like a nugget of information on the efficiency part because I think, and this is not just for Alan Edwin, this is for new construction. I think every buyer looking at new construction needs to remove themselves for a second to think about this because when you're buying a home, you have your fixed cost. I think you kind of alluded to it earlier, which is buying the home and having a mortgage. You know what that number is. The back end cost that you have to freaking pay, you cannot avoid, is utility bills. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned it earlier, like you had a home that was just sitting dormant that was costing you more money than what you had wanted to spend or what you thought it should be spending. Yeah. So you have to think about your front end numbers and your back end numbers. And that's where we freaking rule. We have a front end number that you can know you're comfortable with and a back end number that's gonna be as low as possible. So when you're looking at your cost, because sometimes people say, oh, well, the new construction's, you know, an extra, you know, $10,000 or $20,000. In a mortgage payment, that's going to be roughly $100 to $120 a month, right? If our utility bills are $100 less than the 1980 home you're looking at, dude, we just broke even and you could get a brand new home for the same price that you think that you're saving money on for the old one. Yeah. And guess what? You don't get that money back when you spend money in utility bills. That's sunk cost. Mm -hmm. If you put more money into your house and you're building equity, once you sell hopefully, right? Ideally, you get that money back. Yeah. You don't ever get utility bills back if you spend more money in that category. That's where my mind went to when you said like, I, I don't know the number, but it was like 140 a month. And I was yeah. like, that's a cable and uh, internet bill. Like that's that's a that's a, a trash cost or whatever it looks like. I don't know if trash is included in that community that our people purchased in. Yeah. But like that's money back in your pocket. Yeah. That that is um, tangible money that you're not just saving, but that you can put towards other things or straight to investments or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. Um, overlooked, overlooked, overlooked. And do you have anything? I have something. Mm -hmm. But do you have anything when it comes to? Uh, um, blown in insulation that you uh, that comes to mind about maybe leaving with somebody, and I'll I'll try to lead you down this path. Yeah, maybe you might need to. Blown in insulation yeah. is uh, whether it's cellulose or fiberglass, mm -hmm. correct? Or are you I guys would, always doing cellulose? I would have to double check on. No that. No worries. It might be cellulose. It's, it's, yeah. it's the I know norm, it's blown in. Yeah, blown in cellulose insulation is the normal thing. It's like you know paper more or less. Yeah. Um, that compresses so. This will be something that new construction will have to talk about in the few years, but relating it to a 1960s and 70s house, mm. you obviously get an inspection for what it was to what it is today. I'm following. Um, and and I don't know where we were going to go with with that, but th I think that's something that, again, people are overlooking. No, there's insulation up there. Yeah. But what it was is what it not is today. Yeah. And then the next cost that, that we were just alluding at is... How do we get to where that current expectation is? Money. Yeah. Money. So for the money that we could be saving every single month, because I know that insulation, a 1,500 square foot house in the attic, depending on accessibility, if it's bad accessibility, right. price can be more. It's going to be about $5,000 for a company to do that stuff. Or me and you can do it, like easily. Yeah. But well, is be it careful. Some... I'm not too handy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> me neither. And I think I could do it. So I think me and you both could do it. All right. Um, 
but there's associated costs with that versus that instant savings back in your pocket. And there is going to be a price difference on that. Yeah. But year over year, break even costs, I think that's what people need to be focusing in on. We call it the, uh, we have a legit Excel spreadsheet that automatically generates these numbers, but we call it the total cost of home ownership. It's actually taking a step further versus just saying, here's my mortgage payment and looking at your total cost. You got your mortgage payment, your principal interest, tax insurance. Mm. You have your um, repair and replacement costs, which is things like, hey, the roof doesn't last forever. Hey, the furnace doesn't last forever. I mean, anything that you can think about in the house does not last forever. Mm -hmm. Same way that insulation just doesn't just stay at its threshold forever. Yeah. And then you have utility bills. If you look at those three sectors, you can get an accurate representation of what your total cash flow is. Yeah. So if you want to compare two homes, you can look at how old the home is compared to the new home and you can break in those three sectors and you can say, hey, even though this home new construction is $30,000 more, my actual cash flow is less. Mm -hmm. And if we needed to on a separate video, we could easily break this down. I have a whole demonstration on it, but it's pretty cool to take the steps further and say, hey, this home's actually less expensive to own and I'm getting a brand new one. Yeah. But people don't think that way and it's no knock on them. It's like you have to be nerdy enough and you have to take it that step further to realize there's more than just the mortgage payment. There's the utilities. There's, hey, you're gonna go into this house and you're gonna replace the carpet and you were gonna, that furnace is you know 15 years old. It's only gonna last forever. Yep. Like we excel in the utility bills and having low repair and replacement costs because we're brand new. And you answered it perfect with a horrible layup and a bad example. I should have asked a better question, but you answered it perfectly. And I used a stupid example talking about cellulose blown insulation. It is something that you need to be mindful of, but furnaces, hot water heaters, yes. ACs. Um, right now, I've bought a few furnace AC combos. I bought Goodman, so good, better, best. It's definitely yeah. a good product or a, a base level product for the most part. I was just with someone yesterday who says he only uses Goodman. So apparently that's a really good one. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. I'm happy about it. And he my, works for an AC company or whatever. My, my HVAC guy goes like, dude, Lennox, Lennox or nothing. And I'm like, time out. Don't cut the Lennox budget on rental properties. Yeah. Um, so I know the associated cost for the most part, but you know, when we do step up to the carriers or the Lennox, it's going to yeah. be a different price point. Yeah. And I think that it's very reasonable to budget for a furnace AC combo somewhere between ten dollars to $15,000, depending on what you buy in the space you need to buy it for. But people see, no, $300,000, I want the two sixty. dollars Your two sixty dollars gets to $300,000 pretty damn fast with paint, carpet, mechanicals, and a roof. Yeah. And I would actually say more than $300,000. Yeah. It's an overlooked thing. And it's about that educational piece. So when I'm walking around the house with first time homebuyers specifically, for the first few homes, I'm just talking about things that I'm thinking about. Windows are newer, windows are older. Roof is newer, roof is older. Mm -hmm. HVAC, AC, newer, older. Um, Cosmetics are cosmetics for right. the most part, and I'm not necessarily too worried about those things. You know, they're using their imagination on that, but I'm thinking about capital expenditures, the elephants, not the ants, and things that are going to set us back in the first, you know, two to five years. Yeah. It's way overlooked. Usually our threshold, because again, I have this breakdown and we go through it with uh, families when we're walking through potential options, but I think the threshold for us, normally when you have $40,000 price, and this is going to vary depending on the home you're comparing to, because if we're comparing a home built in like 2010 versus, you know, 1970, that's going to be very different numbers. But normally the biggest threshold that we can compete against is around $40,000. So if we have an older home, again, it has to be somewhat older. It can't just be a brand new home that's yeah. a couple years old. But yeah, 2019 to 2023. <laughs> right, exactly. That's just not going to work. But yeah. when you're comparing some of the older homes compared to our new homes, usually the threshold is 40K and below, and we're either winning or we're very close to winning. Yeah. And and, and I think that our community specifically, um, we're dealing with 60s to 90s 
for the most part. You yeah. know, downtown communities, maybe you're you're definitely substantially older, but yeah. 60s to 90s, early 2000s, and then it's 2015. Yeah. So, you know, is that is that enough of a threshold? 2000, it, the, the yeah. efficiency standards from 2005 to 2023 completely changed? Well, I don't know how much the code is changing. Again, the threshold, that's probably a better word to use. But the things in the home, if you're looking around 2000, dude, we're in 2023, like 20 years is usually the benchmark that most people use. Like, Hey, this is probably getting up to its like life expectancy. Its life ex- yeah. Yep. It just does not last forever. So then you say, okay, well, if it's $5,000 to replace that furnace, are you paying out of pocket for that? Are you getting a loan for that? Like mm-hmm. all that stuff costs money. Yeah. And so, yeah, we can easily compete with the two thousands for and, sure. And then again, now that we're talking about it, uh, back in the two thousands, they were still using predominantly, you know, 80 percenters. For a lot of these productions or semi-customs and very, not very often am I seeing a 20 year old high efficiency furnace. And if I, if I do awesome, yeah, looking great. The thing is about high efficiencies, um, when you're replacing a high efficiency, it is going to be more expensive versus if you can still get an 80 percenter, if somebody's willing to put an 80 percenter. But the point being is, um, not even just the energy, like how a home is insulated. That's a massive proponent of your efficiency and your, your cost savings, but the actual mechanics. Mechanicals are efficient too. Yep. How much gas they use, uh, the efficiency of the blower motors, uh, the dual uh, blower motors. Those are and and, and it's uh, prevalent in the size. Yeah. Back 20 years ago, there were these massive, massive things. 80 percenters are high efficiencies, and nowadays they're small little they, boxes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's another thing that's overlooked. Thing is not just the efficiency of the home, but of the actual device itself. I think earlier we can re- relate it back to like the the organism the home is breathing like. This home works in unisync with itself. So if you have one part that works good, great, but you're only as strong as your weakest link. If you have a crap furnace, I almost swore again. Yeah. If you have a crap furnace, then that's not gonna help out. It's gotta be everything in conjunction with itself. Yeah, and maybe to that point as well, and this is not necessarily a new construction part, but I'm tending to be a little bit more proactive. Don't get me wrong, that bill is not fun to pay. Yeah. But when we're dealing with older things, sometimes it's it's your break-even cost. And that's exactly what your chart's gonna look at. Mm-hmm. Or or where you're winning compared to older homes. Those break-even costs. Yeah. And they're hidden. They're like mysterious. People can't see them. You can't see them. People aren't taking those consideration. They see the bill, they go, oh, shit. They scare you in the middle of the night. You don't know when they're gonna pop up. Yeah, but being proactive on some of those things for break-even cost yeah. might make more sense or might lead you down the path of, wow, new construction might be the best fit for me. And I'm having a a conversation right now with a young couple, same thing, it's about affordability. Yeah. The toughest part that I'm having right now is uh, location. Yeah. You know, all signs lead to Alan Edwin might be the best option for, for them. Yeah. But it, your two developments in Livingston County, for them, it's it's a location thing. I wish we but, had more but, locations. But it goes back to temporary. Yeah. And urgency, you know, how bad we want to be into a house. When do we need to be in a house? And I think that patience is definitely on their side. Yeah. Um, but uh, but for them, that's where it just makes sense for a lot, a lot more people than people expect it to be. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, you just made me think of it. What are the plans you guys will, how many developments are currently in Michigan? Yeah. Southeast Ooh. Michigan. You got a lot, but Southeast Michigan, you said Genesee, so like, Livingston County. Yeah. So like our side of the town, so yep. to speak, mm-hmm. we'll say Lansing and over 
Um, that's kind of the stuff I do mostly. So, man, that is a great question. I'd have to, uh, let's see. And I'm asking it so people can realize this of like, you know, figure. are we in your backyard? Because I didn't realize that you guys were in Genesee County. Oh, dude, Until we talked about the, oh, my bad, Lenaway County. Oh, yeah. Until we talked about the other day, oh, yeah, south yeah. side of Adrian. Yeah, we, we have five communities in Adrian right now, two in Tecumseh. So I would say, and I don't want anyone to fact check me because it's definitely not going to be no exact. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I would say probably around 30 plus communities and growing. I mean, we are actively, we have a separate land team, land team that goes and tries to buy land. Wow. That's our biggest thing is trying to develop land for the future. Because you have to plan for not only this year and next year, but like the five years coming too. Land isn't just developed. Mm -hmm. You have to like really plan ahead of that, uh, ahead for that stuff. So yeah, I would say around 30 plus, maybe even close to the 40 range. How many are you servicing? All, all of them? All of them. Okay. In the sense, I mean, put an asterisk next to, the, next to this because I don't want my colleagues to be like, what the heck, Ray? Yeah. So... Alan Edwin, this is what's another great part about working for this builder. Sometimes with builders, you have set communities. You work and operate out of XYZ community and mm -hmm. XYZ community. Yep. And that's it. So like realtors are coming to you for that community, then they're going to a different agent for a different community. Gotcha. We cross sell. So like any area that I operate out of or that Alan Edwin operates out of, I can operate out of. So if you enjoy working with me, we're doing everything together. Mm. Genesee County, I just did one in Grand Rapids with somebody. Like all our locations, we have the same floor plans, we have all the same expectations, just the location's different and we have all this information readily available. So I operate everywhere, but mostly in the Lansing, Howell, Genesee, uh, Lenaway, Jackson yeah. counties. Relationship trust. I mean, that's why yeah. you're probably going to Grand Rapids to uh, to help somebody out it or is. service them a little bit better. Because again, yeah. it's all about that customer experience. And if you're the one that has that relationship, can actually get that accomplished. Yeah. Done and done. Yeah. Um, back to the developments. A huge overlooked part of uh, real estate in general. Because um, again, people just overnight see vacant land, see a development and maybe, you know, the infrastructure there, whether it be the sewer systems, uh, the road in, the road out. Yeah. That's a long process. It is. It's about a two-year process, maybe a year process for approval for infrastructure. Am I wrong? Is it longer? Is it shorter? Well, it's definitely never easy. And it's yeah. not just short. Like, it's not definitely overnight. Mm -hmm. I mean, Especially it, for these big developments. Yeah. And it depends on what we're buying, right? Because you have, you still do have, especially in places like Adrian and Jackson, we have some places that we've bought that were already developed and we'll buy the land that was just sitting there and it's dormant. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go to a place like Potterville where we'll go and just re-engineer and develop the land that's not uh, developed yet. Yeah. So you have these two different buckets and it depends on what opportunities are available. And Obviously, development takes long. And in Fowlerville, you're finish, finishing out a subdivision. Yep. So you're able to purchase those vacant lots and finish those things out yep. versus uh, uh, first shovel in the ground, Yep. Uh, land site approval, municipality approval, so on and so forth. And again, like the, the bigger developments are going to be a little bit more of a process. Yeah calculated experience vote democratic or diplomatic or whatever it there's a process to it there is but um um you're you're dipping your hat into both of those hats yep. finishing developments that are already pre-existing that have a great track record then also um starting new developments yeah is that correct we'll do both okay cool yeah um and again it's a little bit different than you know just buying a five acres or 2.5 acres and just going through the the zoning process yep. because i'm most likely already zoned yeah uh, for a, a custom on that two or that five but going through an actual development of a community little more things to consider yeah and to give it a little shameless plug here i mean if anyone realtors are watching this reach out to us if you have like land you want to sell we'll look at anything wow really oh yeah what's what's the buy box on that i mean really anything i mean we want it to fit our our criteria and yeah. 
again, there's a separate division for this, so I don't want to butcher the criteria. But yeah, anything that you have, we'll look at. And if it's within price point and you know location-wise, we can't be like just you know an hour away from everything we have going on. Yeah, we will definitely look at it. And you know, we're, you, we're, we're in the buying phase right yeah. now. Yeah, and and uh, do you have anything? So when you drive in our community, down M59, land clearing. Land clearing. I know it's crazy, infrastructure, right? Infrastructure. Are yeah. you guys on any of those? No, I, I was curious. I, you know, uh, a couple months ago, I was like, "What the heck is this?" I wait for those signs a, to go up. Yeah, like, dude, the, me too. Yeah, Bob the Builder. Yeah, you know, or whoever it is. Um, but when you drive down in fifty nine, and I am genuinely so excited. And you're in Howell. Yeah, I'm genuinely so excited to see where M fifty nine is developed to, um, for, uh, you know, commercial. Yeah, residential. I think one of them has to be commercial. It just feels like one of them. Those are commercial on the M fifty nine. They got to. Yeah, they got to. to. For for for. Okay, let's say they build. You know, eighty percent of that is residential. Well, there's not much down in 59. So yeah. I think for the people that want to be that way, maybe we're doing another gas station, Starbucks, a few little corner restaurants, whatever it may be. Yeah. But um, but again, M59 and uh, towns down in 59 are very M59 towns. Yeah. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's just kind of a, a what M59 is. And that's from Howell to Pontiac. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I I am I'm excited to kind of see a little bit more of of what they're planning and there's the plans we can go talk to Howell or Osceola Township about those yeah so I'm sure they're already documented of what's going yeah out I there. just I want someone to just tell me yeah hell yeah <laughs> and and actually uh, thanks for the uh, uh, the idea because and that's something that we're kind of like, gravitating towards is more or less being like the uh, the voice of Livingston County when it comes to information yeah whether it be new construction road road construction um, events activities downtown activities things like that yeah so i'll have to do my research and uh look at all these land developments that's an easy a couple videos right there dude hell yeah shoot i mean your other video was was cool the other day about things you can do in livingston county like if you're not from around here and you're moving here which a lot of people are mm -hmm. again we got low taxes and we can you know talk about livingston county but if they don't know then they have no idea about some of those areas and those are great areas yeah and that's why i think that a lot of the value at least for people online that are not familiar with livingston county is you know what does livingston county have to offer um it's a good thing. It's a bad thing that Livingston County key stays very, very close niche. Um, but there's a, a lot of reasons why people are moving out this way. Yeah, bang, yeah. bang for your buck. Tack, you hit the nail on the head. Bang for yeah. your buck. Taxes. And then also just uh, amenities, culture, community, so on and so forth. But shoot, we could talk about that for uh, for days. Um, plug. Well, and I think that this is necessary right now. Plug. Now, I think every agent should have a conversation with you. Hmm. Would love that. Are there resources that agents can reach out to for some more information? And again, it goes back to education. I don't think that it's a bad thing, uh, but I think some agents are not necessarily educating their clients about this being an attainable option. So what should an agent do that's looking at this? Can they call you? Oh, a phone call? What yeah. does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I'm very readily available. I mean, I'm not scary by any means, so I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone. But I think the reason that agents aren't educating their buyers on it is just because they don't know and then you don't want to try to talk about something you don't know anything about i mean you would for a lack of better words almost sound you know like an idiot like oh well it means this i mean you want to sound confident when you talk to your buyer so if you don't know anything about it you won't bring it up yeah i would love for any agent to who doesn't know anything that wants to learn something i will do a lunch i will meet with you at your office i mean i love educating people about this stuff i've been doing it for six and a half years and i still love it so i would be happy to talk to anyone about it and 
if at anything you're educated now more about the new construction process from not just you but maybe in general yeah because again i think that it's it's the name of the game when it comes to sellers buyers new construction the relationship that you know we have um and how you educate buyers that we're bringing to the table education 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 we want them to know every single thing that they're saying yes or no to and then also to buyers that are not doing new construction i want them to be confident comfortable at the closing table they realize what just happened yeah versus too many times we'll get phone calls down the road and say we bought a house and whoa like we made a mistake yeah but we weren't told about these things yeah you still that's know. what we want to avoid yep uh, so at the end of the day call sit down get educated it's something that is obtainable it is something that you need more information on and at the end of the day you're gonna be a better resource for your um your your buyers and sellers well Period. i think yeah just last point with the realtor section is you know as a builder we do a lot of spec showcase quick occupancy homes most of them are not listed online so if you're not in touch with your local realtors or your local builders then you're not doing yourself and your buyers the amount of service that you can be. Wow, I didn't realize that. Like, I don't want to make it sound like it's me digging at realtors because I'm not, but it's factual that if you don't have connections with the, the builders, then you're not see, think, seeing everything out there. And that means you have less tools on your tool belt, mm -hmm. and that means you could be providing more value. I mean, if you could instantly provide 10% more value to your buyers, wouldn't you want to do that? And all you have to do is call me? Like, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Super easy. And I guess, I mean, I, I asked you the other day, but I, I'm probably not even getting, uh, you know, 20% of, of the opportunity. Um, the answer is yes. And the answer should be yes. And if your answer is not yes, then, then yeah. you know. <laughs> um, that goes back to, uh, you know, three questions to ask your next real estate agent. Yeah, that's um, a good one. We've touched on a lot of things. And again, I think that we could talk, talk, talk. Um, circling it back to first time home buyers and bringing it home. Yeah. All builders are not created equal. No. Maybe not necessarily the fine print, but getting educated on efficiency yep. matters. Yep. Components of the home matters. Efficiency rating, ratings matter. Seeing that data matters. Yep. Is there anything else that you don't think that we've touched on that first time home buyers specifically or somebody new to new construction, whether they be first time home buyers or not? Yeah can take away from this conversation or should hear? Yeah, I'll go through my own little mental checklist. Yeah, like if you're not reaching out to the builder, then you're not seeing all the options. We all shop online. But if you're not reaching out to a builder that does showcase and spec homes, then you're not seeing everything. So that's good for anyone. Move mm -hmm. up, first time home buyer, anyone looking for a house, you wanna see all your options, yeah. right? Um, the financial barrier part is huge because some builders, even if they do an end loan product, will have higher deposits. The minimum you need to start, and I'm gonna use the word with pretend I'm putting a bold italics underline under the word start the process is a thousand dollars because normally our deposits are a total of five or eight thousand mm -hmm. but you can start with one and work your way towards that yeah so very low financial barrier because again if you're doing a VA or an RD you're doing a zero percent down like you're, you want to leverage the amount of power you have to not have to put as much money down we can aid that we can be along the ride with you saying hey we don't need a bunch of money you just need to worry about your closing cost and most of your overall deposit would cover that. Mm -hmm. So again, just tailoring towards that uh, first time home buyer and low financial barrier. And you're trying to work with them. And you also yes. have a lot of great partnerships with lenders that yeah. understand your process, understand your product. So it becomes now just a, a seamless yeah. um, from point A to point Z, not just with lending, but also building and getting those buyers into the door so they're happy with builders, real estate agents, and 
uh, lenders. Yeah. Maybe another good point to bring up would be, and we've touched a lot on communication, but the structure of communication that Alan Edwin has is very organized and it's very regimented. So basically, if you're a first time home buyer and you're nervous about new construction, what it entails, how to do it, I don't know how to do it, anything, with Alan Edwin, from point A to point Z, weekly communication. Whether you're doing a showcase home and everything's picked out and you're just waiting for your home to be done or you're building from the ground up, you're going to the design studio, we control the process in the sense of you're getting emails or calls every single week on what's going on right now, what's to expect, and I'm basically holding your hand. I mean, it sounds weird, but- No, like, in a great way. In a good way. And you know, we have good relationships with everyone I work with, but- We, we had a podcast a little bit ago with a guy by the name of Matt Farnham, great guy. <clears throat> out of Vegas, and he uses the word um, uncertainty creates anxiety. Yeah. Uncertainty equals anxiety. And when you're not um, providing that information, that's where it starts to stem from. Uncertainty yeah. creates anxiety. Oh no, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? What, what do we, why haven't I heard anything back from, from Ray or so and so? It's 10 times harder to pull back that anxiety or any type of uncertainty versus in the front and be like, hey, this is what you should expect going forward. Mm -hmm. If they have those emotions, then you have to try to reel it in when it was no. No problem to begin with yeah. but it's so hard to reel that back in because those emotions already happen and that should be an expectation that that you guys have if you're not working with you know you know ray and the builder then that should be an expectation that is established yeah throughout the process depending on where you are whether it's not even broken ground yet or just the finishing touches yeah um that should be a good expectation to have yeah um so nothing falls through the cracks and your expectations are met and quality is being being met as well yeah um um, shoot, where was I? Uh, I was just going to go somewhere else. Was there anything else? No, I'm trying to think. I mean, those are probably, you know, the good points. We talked a lot about the total cost of home ownership because again, you should really be looking at not just your mortgage payment, but your backend numbers that you have to pay. Have you ever done a uh, screen record of walking through that? I need to. That I did. I did one a while back. It, it, it's outdated. I need to do it again. If we if we don't jump on you know a live one because I think that's massive value. Dude, great content. Yeah. Great content. And even if you just do like a loom like a or a screen record loom and just kind of walk through and, and regurgitate what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, we can do a uh, Riverside. I keep pointing at my computers. Um, yeah. we can do a Riverside screen share because uh, but I also think that that that's that's an amazing piece of content that I want people to have. Um, and I don't know if you're you're able to share those things, but yeah, you know, I want I want other people to see those things. I think we should both broadcast it because it's so powerful and. I'm I'm gonna do one regardless, but I would love to do one with you too, or yeah. just be with you so we can, you know, navigate the waters together and put that kind of uh, or content out there together. Yeah, I think it's huge. Yeah, because no one else talks about it. No one talks about Nobody. it. Nobody. It's and, and I think I think that a lot of the times when we get phone calls, maybe other people don't, is we're having the conversations or bringing up certain things that other people aren't talking about. Yeah, you got to do what aren't people uh, other people aren't doing to go where they aren't going or whatever that that yeah. damn saying is. Um, uh, let's do that. We have well, to do it. We'll get something in the books. It's the best part about it is in this last thing. I, again, I'll just keep talking about it. It's factual. It's not just opinion. It's not like, hey, new homes are better because I like new homes. It's like, here's the data. Here are the numbers. If you're looking at a home, brand new home at this uh, age and price versus a home that you like at this age and price, here's how they compare. It's just factual. Yeah. There's no like, you know, emotion other than like, here are the numbers. Here's how it could look for you. Let's compare a home that you're looking at. It's just factual. And at the end of the day, facts... Uh, I was going to say opinions, but no, facts, facts, facts are only an education, education, education are only going to prepare you, the consumers, on making their next purchase, whether it be new construction or not. Yeah. Actually now taking those things into consideration. And that's something that I'm always trying to do is just to try to say, again, unassociated, unfixed, 
question mark cost yeah. about what it's going to be to actually be a homeowner. Because at the end of the day, welcome to being a homeowner. Yeah. There's going to be things you have to take take on um, a take on and tackle throughout the lifespan of this house. Or are you owning this home? Yeah, you don't want to learn the hard way. No, heck no. <laughs> um, thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Um, we'll uh, we'll get that on the books. Um, last thing, we all we might be dead. You got to run here in a second. I got to run here in a second. Um, how's the house? Uh, the one we just bought and no uh rental any opportunities so dude so nervous and that's just because i'm uh in my first time nothing bad's happened yeah. i just listed it so i just listed it and, today uh, or yesterday uh you listed it, it. Did, did, sunday and then i applied yeah what was okay. that sunday it was i think, I think so. it was sunday um just put it on facebook literally this morning yeah so i'm like oh my gosh i haven't got any calls yet I'm like i need to drop the price it's just funny how like when you don't go through something and you don't know, it's it's easy. Like we just talked about it the whole time in that podcast. The uncertainty is so easy to just fall into. It's like a trap. Yeah. So I'm just staying resilient. I'm staying uh, you know, positive and I mean, I just posted it. So. And you're sticking with facts though. Like, you know, your price based on facts, your price is based on quality, your price is based on location. Yeah. And I did that the first time we had a, <clears throat> a newer duplex in Adrian. I was like, what, what should we do? Yeah. Should we drop an X? Should we drop a Y? And it's like, well, sometimes those things are a little bit different of days on market. So short-term memory is, is a good and a bad thing. My mind is, if it's not off in three days, there's something wrong with it. So if I'm not rented in three days, there's something wrong with it. But sometimes in a rental market, it does take a little bit uh, of, of time, especially at certain price points. Yeah. You know, if we're at a $600 price point, it's going to be a little bit different conversation, different demographic. Yeah. Um, so you're at a different price point. The good news is, is I think that you have a great starting point. Um, and then we can always make some adjustments. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to make adjustments and sacrifice on... I was going to tell you this the other day. You can make a sacrifice on price, but you can also give responsibilities to those tenants, lawn yeah. care, snow removal, things like that. I think those are included currently. At, right now, as a yeah, price. I have it all included. And which, which I think is phenomenal. Turnkey, yeah. you did the exact right thing. But what we did, we were struggling to rent something in Adrian for, I don't know. Eleven fifty, yeah, eleven ninety five, sure. or like ten fifty, uh, ten ninety five. Yeah, we dropped it to which we're making more money now. Yeah, not having to deal with it um, is uh, um, we dropped it a hundred dollars, but we gave them lawn care. Yeah, which in the big picture, yeah. we're, we're making that's more money. That's better now. Yeah. yeah. So if you ever have to drop it, said I'm just throwing an arbitrary number. That's, no, that's a good twenty angle, honestly. Twenty five ninety five, but in the big picture, you're saving money. Yeah, and it makes them think that they're saving money as well. It's purely psychological. It is. Um, but. Um, uh, first steps first, got it listed, got it listed. I know, dude. And then now just waiting for the opportunities. I think you'll get some calls. Um, obviously, price points, the, the the bigger the bigger question mark right there is who's in the market that can afford that. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. You the man. No, I appreciate it, dude. Appreciate this, is, this is sweet, dude. Thanks for watching. Make sure to use those like, comment, and share buttons below. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pat Lots Real Estate for more helpful home buying and selling tips. Want a free comparable market analysis? Scan that QR code on your screen or visit our website at www.patlots.com and fill out the request form. There's lots to love in Livingston County.